Amen. And you can be seated. Y'all doing well? Yes, Children's Church. They are, look at there, they are running kinder, uh, kindergarten through sixth grade or making their way out. Kindergarten through sixth grade. Miss um, Karen, stay right there. Everybody look right here. And y'all wave. Look at there. This is Karen. Uh, Karen, uh, you can, uh, I just want everybody to see you. I know you got to chase the kids. She's worried about it. All right. But Karen has come to us um, uh, from the Circle Church. She was children's uh, minister there for several years, and God has brought her here, and she's going to be doing our children's church for us. So she's taking over children's church and um, children's camp, and so there's some information about that. So we're excited about that. The leadership development team that the church voted to put into place uh, met last week, and, um, and uh, she's going to be in that role. Uh, Beth, that was doing it, great things have happened in her life. And, you know, she started a ministry, an after-school program, and they meet at West Laurel. But she was asking her, the kids that she ministers to, to come to church with her. And, um, and if they were to come to West, West Laurel and she was here, she didn't feel that that was right. And so she wanted to be there in case those kids showed up, which was incredible. I, I see that as a great thing. That's a ministry. And, and what's really cool here is we have, God has, not we, but God has brought people in and, and, and sent them out. We even have people that are pastoring now that were here for a while. And God just uh, used um, this church and their lives to give them a uh, just new direction, a new purpose, a new calling. And so I'm excited about that. Also, the uh, leadership development team, we met and we talked. And so there's some changes with our youth and our college. And so uh, Madeline's moving from college to be Brandon's right-hand woman, right-hand man, uh, associate minister of students. Did I get that right, Brandon? Yes. Associate minister of students. Um, all these positions, none of these are paid. Church would have to vote on a paid position, okay? Um, but the, she's going to be his right-hand man in that and work with our students that are uh, uh, seventh grade to 12th grade. All these grades in my mind. All right, so seventh to 12th grade. Um, and then Brandon's going to oversee the overall college ministry. And then Michael and Nikki are going to be leading all the college small group stuff. And so they're going to be pouring into those kids weekly. And so we got some really cool things going on. And so I'm excited about that. Yeah, y'all can clap for that. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, the uh, leadership development team that you as a church, that we as a church put into place, it was fantastic. It worked um, beautifully. In fact, whenever Brandon wanted to bring Malin up, it allowed me to step out of the picture, out of the room. So I was out of the room and they were able to talk about that. And so there was no conflict of interest there, which is really incredible. It's really good. And so uh, church, thank you so much for just following the lead of God as we continue to grow. Um, Y'all are incredible. Mark chapter 10. And as you turn there, our sermon series is fake. Now, we're going to talk about several different aspects of fake. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a man who was fake and didn't know it. He was a counterfeit and had no idea. Uh, we're also going to talk about how sometimes we, this is later in, in the next few weeks, how sometimes we feel fake when God calls us to roles, that we don't feel 
like we're, and I'm going to use this word worthy. We're, none of us are really worthy, but th- we don't feel worthy of that call of God. And so we're going to talk about that. But God, even though we feel fake, God has redeemed us and has given us a purpose. And so that's going to be good over the next few weeks. We have our preaching calendar lined up. Let me just tell you this year I'm excited about. There's going to be a lot of things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the call of God on our lives. We're going to talk about the ministry that God has called us to. We're going to go through the book of Hebrews. Um, this year um, for eight weeks. We're going to take, uh, again, y'all love it when you ask questions. So we're going to do the, the, uh, an eight-week sermon series where you ask questions and we answer those questions. And we're also going to go, we're going to take some time. I have to go back and see how many weeks I forget, but we're going to take some time going through the life of Moses, who Moses was, what Moses uh, was called to do, what God did in his life. And so um, man, I'm excited about what God has for us to learn, what God has for me to learn uh, this year. And so y'all keep coming. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that if we look at the scripture and we learn what the scripture says and means, that God will use it in our life and our lives to change our lives. And so we just continue to, to dig in and, and, and learn about who our, our Father is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does in our life. But today we're gonna talk about Mark 10, a man that was counterfeit, a man that was fake and didn't know it. Mark 10, starting in verse 17. says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. He fell on his knees before Jesus. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to receive eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God. You know what the commandments say. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not be a false witness, do not cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he said, I've obeyed all these commands since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's, that's the key phrase, and loved him. You're missing one thing, he said. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor. You will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. The man's face fell. He went away sad because he was very rich. Jesus looked around. He said to his disciples, how hard is it for rich people to enter God's kingdom? Here we see a man who was taught all the right things. He learned to be fake. The same way I'm convinced we because we live in the Bible Belt, we learned to be fake. I mean, we just learned. It's just this process it's that, that we, we started to go through. And we're going to look in and dissect this piece by piece. But because we uh, grew up in a religious, uh, religious uh, atmosphere or culture, in order for us to kind of fit in, we had to fit in with the norm. And we just learned what it is to act like a believer, some of us, and this is going to be an evaluation for us, some of us, that's all we did. We learned how to be a believer, how to act like a believer, but we never have had a true relationship with Jesus Christ. We're fake and don't even know it. Like we think we have it all together, but we don't. Well, let's look at what, what, what he did. What are some of the things, why can we say that this is true about him? First, he knew all the right things to do. We we all know the right things to do. Like, look at him. What did he do? What are some of the things that he did? One, he ran up to Jesus. 
This is good. This is important. He ran to the person he knew that could help him. He ran to Jesus. For us, as we grow up, this is what we've been told, that if you have a problem, you run to Jesus. There's, that's the correct answer, by the way. Uh, but that's what we've learned to, to run to Jesus. So he learned this, and he did what he knew to do. But also, it says he fell on his knees before Jesus. He knew all the right things to do. We learned all the right things to do. We learned that the right things to do were, uh, one is to come to church on Sundays. Yes, y'all with me? Uh, we learned all the right things to do. Uh, we learned what we should wear as we come to church on Sunday. We learned the kind of uh, face that we should have as we walked in the door on Sunday. You know, the one that smiles. Not the one that's frowning, not the one that's upset about anything. We learned how to do it Right, we learned how to tithe as, that, as the plate come through to tithe. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things, but if that's all it is, like he's doing the right thing, but can we agree he didn't have it all together? He had head knowledge, but not this, what we would call a heart knowledge. He understood who Jesus was, but he wouldn't surrender to him. So he knew the right things to do. Is it possible for somebody to grow up in the South here in Mississippi, in the Bible Belt, is it possible for us to grow up knowing all the right things to do and not have a relationship with Jesus? And we think that we have it all together. It's absolutely possible. Not only did he know all the right things to do, but he had all the right answers. The same way we have all the right answers. And he said, look here, you know what the commandments are. And of course he knew what they were. And he said, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was a boy. He knew all the, the, the right answers. He could answer all the questions that Jesus was going to give him. Don't we know all the right answers? We were taught in Sunday school. The answer to every question is Jesus. There you go. But that's not true, is it? Two plus two. You can't put Jesus in pass your math test. Jesus, by the way, Jesus is not the right answer to every question. Who's the most evil person to ever live? Not Jesus, right? Hitler, you, you could put that there. That'd be a good one. But not, Jesus is not the answer to all questions. But it's something we say. I get the meaning behind it. Jesus is the answer to the horrible situation that we're in. But, you know, we have all the right answers. If somebody's struggling with anything, what's the right answer to that? Read your Bible. Pray. These are the right answers. We know the right answers. And the same way that this man knew the right answers. I mean, we have some of the dumbest answers. We have, like, like we know why things work. Like, like we, we just say some really stupid things. Like, when we go to a funeral, we have the answer to death. God needed him more than you did. That's a dumb statement. If you make, don't say that anymore. I'm not calling you dumb. You just learn that. We all learn things. Like, sometimes, I, like, my family's notorious. We learn lots of words that aren't real words. Does anybody have those words in your family? It wasn't until I was in college, and they don't have this much anymore, but lay away, y'all know what lay away is? Back in the day, you would take some products, and you would put it in the back, and they would store it for you, and you would make payments. 
They would lay it away, lay away. But growing up in my house, it wasn't lay away. It was lay away. Lay away. It wasn't until I was in college and I turned the corner and I was at a Rose's. I remember because Rose's still has it. You know, I turned the corner and I looked up and said, lay away. I said, hmm, not lay away. It's lay away, okay? And so sometimes we're taught the wrong things. And so I get it. We say things like that. Or sometimes we're at a funeral and we'll say something like this. God just needed another angel, which like, we don't become angels, number one. Like, like angels were created angels. And, and, and God doesn't need anything. So we say these things. And sometimes we, we, we know the right answers and the, the biblical, like the theology is way off. You know, we'll look at somebody's life and they're struggling through life and we'll tell them, God never puts on you more than you can handle, which is terrible theology and wrong. But we say that because that's what we've been taught. And we think we're right about that. Really, we get more put on us than we can handle. That's why we need Jesus. Like, if we could handle everything in our own strength, we would have no need for Jesus. But because we can't handle it, we have to have Jesus. There's things that are bigger than we are. And, and, and so we, 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 we think we have all the right answers the same way this guy. And they sound good. They sound biblical. But he, even though he knew what to say, even though he was mistaken and his theology was off because he said, I've, I've, hey, I've obeyed all these commandments. He still had these right things to say. He even had the right questions, didn't he? What did he say? What must I do to receive eternal life? Man, that's a good question. Man, what a question. Now, now some of you that have been praying about sharing the gospel with people, you have in your mind that you're going to share the gospel. You're going to walk up to them. You're going to say, do you know Jesus? And they're going to be like, I don't want to talk to you about that. You know, Most of the time people don't do that, by the way. But that's what we have in our mind. You know, like weirdo, that's what we're thinking. But this, this guy, he's come running up to Jesus and his question is, what must I do to receive eternal life? Now, I want you to picture, you're, trying to, you're praying about witnessing, there you are, you're at Walmart, you're thinking about buying some milk and as soon as you start to open the door, somebody comes running up to you, how do I get saved? Man, that's pretty cool, huh? Right there at the milk aisle. That would, that's kind of, this is what's happening here. The right question but he was really hoping in this question, he was really hoping that Jesus would say, and you can see in his answers and what he's, in his, just how it's implied when it's written that Jesus was just like, you got it. You got it all figured out. I don't have to tell you anything because you're on your way. Because he was fake and didn't even know it. We have all the right questions. We know how to answer or ask the right questions. Man, we can make ourselves seem very intelligent. And, you know, sometimes our, even our questions are, are, are false. By the way, when you're in a Bible study and somebody were to ask you, uh, what, is, what do you think this means? Okay, I understand what they're saying, but it really doesn't matter what, what we think it means. The only thing that matters is what it really means. You with me? Come on, this is yes, this is no. And I know some of you have been in those Bible studies where you're like, what do you think this means? Really, the way that we should ask is, what is God trying to tell us? Now, that's really what we're asking. We just ask it in a bad way. And let me give you an example, okay? So um, parents, are, you know, you have some kids and you tell them, take out the trash. And one kid looks at the other and, what do you think they mean? And you as a dog, I mean one thing. 
take out the trash. And they go, I'm not sure if they really mean to take out the trash or if they just want us to feel like we should take out the trash. But isn't that what we do with God's word sometimes? So we've got to be careful even with the questions that we have. If we think that we have all the right questions, he thinks he has it all together. We act like we have it all together the same way this guy acted like he had it all together. Let's put all this, let's just think about this, okay? So here he is, he comes to Jesus, he's running to Jesus with all the right things. He does all the right things. He says all the right things. He asks all the right questions. He answers Jesus' questions the right way. He thinks he has it together. So much so in 25, when Jesus asked if, he'd, if he had obeyed all these commandments, he said, yeah, I've obeyed them all since I was a boy. He thought he had it together. Isn't that what religion tells us? To act like you have it all together? Isn't that what we've been taught in religion? That when you walk in the doors of a church, that you, sh you should act and don't be, look, act like you have it all together and don't be a burden on anybody. If you're having a bad day, smile anyway. If you are, are if, if you're in your family, y'all just had it out, getting ready for, for church, on the way to church. When you get out of the car, don't act like there's a problem. And that what? You better put a smile on. You ever anybody ever say that? You better put a smile on. And then you can't focus on anything that's going on in the service at all. You can't hear the message. The music is just kind of there because the only thing you can think about are the nuclear bombs that you're going to drop in the car on the way home. And, and so there, instead of coming in going, I just, not, not airing your dirty laundry, but as you walk in, say, look, I'm just, I don't have it together. I need you to pray for me. And, and, and let people around you and pray for you. I think there has been too much damage done because of this attitude that like this rich young ruler had and that we have where we think we have it all together or we pretend as if we do have it all together really when we don't. Saying, we have, I, I keep all these commandments. No one he didn't. And we do the same in the religion, this fake religion that we follow, that we've been taught that when your marriage is in shambles, you act as if it's okay. I believe there are marriages in the church that have fallen apart because there's cracks in the marriage, but we have to ignore and hide those cracks because religion tells us that we have to put this perfect persona out there. We can't let people know that we struggle because real Christians don't struggle or argue in their marriage. That's a lie. So, so, so we have that our, our, our kids are starting to struggle. And we won't come and, and, and find some people that we trust, maybe in our small group or uh, maybe a small group of people will say, I'm struggling. My child is, is, is going down a path and I can't stop them. I need prayer. But we have to act like our kids have it all together. You have to hide any imperfections they may have. Now, I'm thankful for you as a church because... 
we've gone through a season where our children, and all of them have done this, where they've just pulled away from us. They just, because they're trying to find independence. That's what kids do. When they try to find independence, they pull away from their parents. They don't talk to you. They don't talk to us. They do their own thing, okay? And so it's this finding independence. And, and as a church, here's what we have to do. Someone else has to come and fill in and, and, and close that gap. And I'm so thankful there are men and women here at this church that when our children were trying to find their way that, and, and, and we couldn't talk to them, that y'all were there to pour into them and love on them and care for them. But that doesn't happen unless you're willing to admit that you need help. And there have been conversations with people in this room Hey, my child's going through this. Can you talk to them? Because I can't. Can you love them in this area? Because they just, they won't hear me right now. And parents, I'll just give you a hint, and I have to tell myself this. The louder you get doesn't mean they will hear you. Just because you scream doesn't mean they hear you. It's kind of like somebody who speaks another language. Just because you talk louder and slower doesn't mean they'll understand English all of a sudden. And so we have to be able to admit that we're struggling as a family and that we need help in these areas. As an individual, we have to be able to come and be, I have depression. We have to be able to admit that. Especially for men. This is a hard thing to admit for men. I, I, I've struggled through depression and I hit it uh, myself just because, not, not like deep depression, but just this overwhelming feeling and, and, and some depression where you don't want to do anything, you want to get up. And so, um, but you struggle, you hide it. Why do you hide it? Because you have to pretend like you have everything together just like this rich young ruler. You have to pretend that everything's okay. You can't go to somebody and say, I'm struggling. Because if you do that, then you feel like you are less than what God called you to do or called you to be. And that's just not true. God put us together so we could support one another. That's what this is all about, us having a relationship with him and with each other. That's, I think that's the reason sometimes we don't see people, we as people, we don't come to the altar because we're afraid that somebody will see us and think we're struggling. I'll, I'll Go ahead. Look left. Look right. Okay, some of you didn't do it. Look left. Look right. All right, you can look at people in front of you, people behind you, everybody you saw struggling because we live in a cursed world. Everybody in here struggling somewhere emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually. Somebody struggling with questions. Everybody in here has struggles. We aren't put together. We don't have it all together. Some of us are making it from one day to the next. But we act as if we have it all together. So here is, here's, the, here's what happens with this rich young ruler. He's a fake and doesn't know it until he's confronted with the real thing. And, and really, that's how you can tell a fake from the original or from the real thing. You compare the fake to the real thing. Yes? Yeah? If I had $200 bills here, the only reason you know which one was fake is because you would compare them both to what you know a real one looks like. Yes? And, and those fake $100 bills, they get, I get so mad about those made for motion picture only. I hate those things. Uh, you'll see them on the ground. I'll pick them up, think $100, and I don't have anything. 
except for in possession of counterfeit dollars. And so, but you have to compare. And so this is what Jesus does. He, he confronts him with this truth and he says, okay, if you're really true, if what you have is true, here's what I need you to do. If you really want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want to follow me, here's what you have to do. Sell everything and give the money to the poor and then you can come follow me. And the guy it says he went away sad. He didn't even respond. It just said the man's face fell, went away sad. Like all of a sudden it was just, you ever seen that color in your face? He was super excited. He's like, I got this all figured out. I'm all, I got my life all uh, put together. I'm f- gonna follow Christ. Jesus is about to tell me I already have eternal life. He's gonna tell me and he's confronted with the real thing. And it was just, whew. all of a sudden, he realized what he had was just religion and was not a relationship. So what happens? What happens when we are confronted with the truth? And today, maybe we can be confronted with the truth. One, let's look at what Jesus said. If Jesus were to come to you and ask you to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, that's your house, that's your car, uh, that's your savings, that's your retirement, that's everything. He says, give it all to the poor, would you? And now in your mind, you're thinking, most of no, I hope he never does that. It's a real struggle because if he did, you would, you know, to follow him, you would really have to because look, is Jesus enough? Either he's enough or he's not. Like if Jesus tells you to sell everything and give it to the poor and you don't do it, what you're saying is, Jesus, you're not enough. Like I need something else. And let's really dig down into this for a minute. The things that we say that we need, like this rich young ruler, what he's saying that he needs is this material stuff, his riches. And as what we learned uh, the last few weeks is that Paul said, because I know who Jesus is, Everything compared to the knowledge of Christ is crap. And I know you're like, crap? I know, that's the strong word that Paul used, okay? That's, a, that's the best translation, not dung. Who uses dung anymore? Anyway, I have dung on my shoe. <laughs> like, some of y'all be like, what does that even mean? Um, so anyway, he said, crap. And you're like, that's kind of offensive. That's the reason Paul used it, and that's the reason Holy Spirit, because he wanted you to be offended by our desire to hold on to crap. Okay, now watch this. Some of us hold on to crap so tight it squeezes between our fingers, and our life is a mess, and we wonder why. And we wonder why. And this is what we see this, this man here that he had this, these treasures, these riches, and he held on to it so tight. The crap of life, it squeezed through his fingers and his life was a mess. And he was unwilling to go to Christ for true treasure. You know, other places in the scripture, it tells us parables. And it says that there was a man who came across a field and in that field there was a treasure that was buried 
and that the buried, he, he, he took the treasure and buried it and he went and sold everything that he had so that he could come by, back and buy this plot of land so he could have this treasure. And then it goes on and says there was a man who found this pearl and this pearl was so valuable that the trader sold everything he had just so that he could have this pearl. And, the, and, and what we see right here is exactly what we're talking about is that Jesus is the treasure that's worth selling everything for. And really, all the things that we have that we hold on to, they're not, it's nothing more than garbage. I want you to think about it. If it's your car, if it's your house, if it's whatever it is, in a few years, it's going to be garbage. Within 100 years or 150 years, it's going to be garbage for sure. Because you can think of a house that lasts a long time, but in Mississippi and the termites, no, it's not going to last 100, 150 years most likely. Your car definitely is not going to last long. You could buy a brand new 90-inch television, top of the line, and in five years, the screen's going to turn blue. It's going to act like a black light in your living room, cause all the fluorescent colors to glow, and it's going to be ready for the trash. It's so weird, all the things that we hold so tight the scripture says that rust and moth will destroy. And, and, and what did Jesus say? Hey, if you sell everything and you give it to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. And Jesus later, other places, says if you have treasure in heaven, it will last forever because rust and the moths can't destroy this the way it does the earthly treasures, trash, the earthly trash that we have. So you're like, well, why in the world should I sell everything? Well, no, but you need to reorganize it in your mind. Here is why you have everything that you have for the glory of God. Some of the questions that God asked me and how he confronted me this week, okay? How did he confront me where I'm holding on to, to garbage? Why do you work where you work? Are you working there just to get a paycheck? If you are, then... It's just garbage. But are you working there to make a difference, to share the love of God, the gospel in some way? Man, that rearranges the way I look at work on Monday. That changes the way I understand uh, me going back to school. Your car that you have. Why do you have that car that you have? So that you can use it for the glory of God. Maybe so that you can get from one place to another. Maybe so that you can take something to someone that's in need. Maybe so that you can come and or, or come to a place and lead a Bible study. Whatever it is, the reason that you have it is for the glory of God so that his mission can be taken out. It's not just for our Pleasure. Is there a problem with us enjoying the things that God has given us? No, because all good things come from the Creator. But when that enjoyment becomes greater than the, uh, or I should say, as it's seen as more of a pleasure and enjoyment than it is a resource, there's the problem. Is nothing more than a resource for us to declare the glory of God. Your bank account. That's my bank account. I worked hard for that because God gave you breath, gave your muscle strength, gave you the ability to understand what you do. The reason why you have what you have is because God's given it to you. And when you die, your parent, your I mean, your kids are going to fight over it anyway. 
We don't own anything. It's so weird that we hold so tight to things that are temporary and we don't run after things that are permanent. The great theologian, Crocodile Dundee, I love it. And the second Crocodile Dundee, which was pretty good, um, they were back in Australia and there they were and, and they were, he was talking about people that were fighting over the land. And he has this quote. He goes, the way I see it, when people fight over land, it's like two fleas fighting over who owns the dog. Think about it for a minute. We are here, but for a moment, we are nothing more than a vapor. We know all the right things to do. We know all the right answers. We know all the right questions. We act like our life is together. But the truth is, we're holding tightly to crap. Our life is messy and stinky. And God wants to clean us up and give us real purpose. Give us real direction. And, 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 and look, okay, let me go to paycheck because some of you are like, my job, my job. You are more valuable to God than just a paycheck. If all you are is a paycheck, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You are worth more than just a paycheck. In fact, God says you are so loved that you were bought with the most, most valuable thing that this universe has ever seen the blood of Jesus Christ. If you feel like all you do is go to work to make a paycheck, you're missing what God has called you to do. Let go of the crap. Some of us treat... <laughs> Some of us treat Jesus like a prostitute. Let's just put it that way. You're like, how's that? Like we hold on to the things of the world so tight, but we think that we have this real relationship with God because we come on Sundays and we spend this time with him on Sundays, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, our life doesn't look anything like what God has called us to do because really we're not seeking after God. We're not following after God. We're just coming on Sundays to get our feelings and our crying and our emotions right. So we're just coming so that he can pleasure us on one day and then we act like we don't know him the rest of the week. And Jesus said, I want you not to have that kind of relationship. I want a relationship that is, is meaningful and full of commitment. Some of us are thinking, well, God wants me to give up everything. I don't know if I want to give up everything. Why do I have to give up everything for him? Have that conversation, men. Have that conversation with your wife today when you go home. Why do I have to give up all these other women? Why do I just have to stick with you? Why I got to be committed just for the one, you know? You're making me, I don't even like you. Like you're making me so I can't go do what I want to do. No, we would never do that. Like we would never walk down the aisle and get there and be like, I changed my mind. There's, I'd have to give up too many other women for you. That... Like if that happens, you don't like you didn't want him in the first place, ladies. But in how we look at God and we go, God, you want me to give up everything for this relationship? Hold on, wait a minute. God's like, I just I, I want a committed life. I want somebody that will be devoted. Because what I have for you is so much better. And some of us, watch, and I'm done, okay? Some of us have gotten to that place where we know all the right things to say. We know all the right things to do. We know all the right answers. 
but we don't have a relationship. Like we, this whole idea that I'm talking about giving up everything and following under his authority is like foreign to you. Like you don't even like it. Like I, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And Jesus is just an add-on. Jesus is not here for your pleasure. Jesus is here for his glory and in that our salvation. Won't you, won't you commit to him? For anybody in here that you've grown up and you're religious but you're not a believer, I would pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you and fall on you and reveal to you because I can't tell you if you're a believer or not. The only one that can reveal to you if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. And he will let you know as you seek him. Do you just know the right things to do, the right things to say, but when God asks you to do the hard things, you walk away sad? Then there's a problem. And I think too many of us have learned the faith of the rich young ruler and not the faith of the widow who gave everything she had. Church, stand with us. Lord Father, I thank you that you are faithful to us. God, I pray that as we see this story of the rich young ruler, Lord, that we wouldn't be guilty of being this guy. Lord, that we're taught all the right things to do, all the right things to say, and we can... Man, we sound so good and people are looking to us. And I pray for anybody who in here has, that has this fake religion. Lord, let them find a true relationship today. One where they have placed their, themselves under your authority. Whereas, man, that, those old hymns, as the things of this world grow strangely dim. Lord, let those things grow strangely dim. Let us surrender all. Our, our pleasures, our money, our jobs, our pain, our guilt, our Shame. Let us surrender all these things. Lord, you're enough. You're more than enough. <laughs> if we can find ourselves today in the pig pen where here he is without anything, he's wasted everything away with nothing left. Tattered clothes. And let us realize in the pig pen that you are more than enough. And if that's all we have, if we're naked, if we're hungry, if we're without a job, if we're without a home, that you're more than enough.
Lord Father, thank you that you care and are concerned about us. Church, you respond as the Spirit leads.